Second Kings chapter 2 and verse number 9 reads like this. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Welcome to Double Portion Podcast. Aggravating circumstances in my life. Hello, welcome back, Double Portion Nation. We are happy to have you back for another episode with this podcast with our host of Pastor Paul Elder and my brother Elder and me. We also have a special guest with us this evening, and this is our third episode with this guest, and we are just absolutely delighted the wisdom that he has been sharing with us. So without further ado, we're going to jump it back into this. I'm going to turn it over to you, Bishop. Well, welcome back, and we are so excited to have all of our guests again with us, all of our podcast family, Double Portion Podcast family. Thank you for taking the time to watch and listen to these podcasts. We hope that in some way they're a blessing to you and God is imparting uh, valuable resources to your life and becoming everything that God has called you to become. We're back in the studio with uh, evangelist Greg Godwin, and we are so delighted that he is with us again and and I really will be honest with you, uh, Brother Godwin, Brother Jeffrey, Brother Mitchell, and Brother Pound, I really felt the anointing of God. I really believe that God wants to use this to help young men and young ladies yes. in this day that we're living in to become everything that God has called them to become. Yes, We've dealt with uh, evangelism, which is extremely important in this last day, and we've dealt with the environment of the church, and we've talked a little bit about uh, the individual, and, and Brother Godwin has opened his life to show us a little bit of the construction and the formation of God in one's life to be used in the manner that God has used this man. I love that. I know many times it's uncomfortable to talk about those situations where God uses circumstances in our life to uh, help us to become who he has called us to become. We've talked about the environment of the church and the ecosystems within that church that are very important for revival. And we want to deal with that, again, at a different level. Um, there are several reasons why I feel like that God spoke to me earlier this year to have Brother Godwin come and speak and minister and preach to our church. One was for the incredible revival. I think, have we... Have we went over 40? We're, we're right at 40. I believe we're we have 39. We're at 40 baptized and 20 that have received the Holy Ghost. We, we've baptized over 40 since March, or at 40. And we've had 20 new people. Right. It's not counting the backsliders that have received the Holy Ghost. And we're so grateful to God for that. And I think we're just getting started. Amen. Um, there's another side of this is that uh, the ministry that God has given Brother Godwin, he has some wonderful insights on 
the importance of us being in the order of God. And that order is so powerful. Some of that is submission, which is a very important part of that. And you can listen to him talk, and he doesn't only preach it, but he has lived it. And I'm so grateful that he talked a little bit about his life, because I know a lot of preachers that can preach wonderfully on particular subjects, but when you get into their private life, uh, it it's, sadly, it's lacking. Thank God not all ministers are like that. I believe in the ministry. I believe that the, for the most part, the ministry is very sincere. God has given us great men of God. But I like a man who not only preach it, but he will live it. And so we want to talk about this. He, he has uh, he has a name for it. I would love it if he would write about it. He may have already written about it, but it needs to be uh, recorded in written form for young men and young ladies today. And I think it's called his Over and Under series that God has given him. Brother Godwin, talk to us a little bit about this. This is a very important subject in this day of anarchy and rebellion. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about it. Yes, sir. Uh, it's good to be with you all again and love all four of you men. And it's been an honor to be with you all this year and can't believe it's coming to an end and we're getting ready to fire up another year. But That's right. Amen. Looking forward to yes. what God's going to do this year has been very good. Got here in March at the end of the, sort of the end of the pandemic. And so the church... Uh, everybody wasn't coming back to church just yet, and we just worked through it and prayed through what we could, and we've had people get the Holy Ghost every time I've been here, but more importantly, when we haven't been here, the church is still going, still praying people through, still outreach going. That, to me, I didn't say this in the last session, but that, to me, is a sign of a very strong, healthy, apostolic church, and so I haven't said that to y'all, but I want to uh, congratulate you and thank God for the culture and the atmosphere of the church. It's very solid and uh, all of that. And so thank God for all of that. <clears throat> this series came back in uh, 2001 when we were in revival with Brother Tom Foster. We'd been there the first year, uh, four months, and we had around 570-something. If I remember correctly, he said we had prayed through. They ended up that year about 715-ish had prayed through by the year, end of the year. I'd only been there four months. The next year, he called me, and uh, at the end of December, he called me. He wanted me to come back the next year, and I told him I was going to be in revival by the Keys. And so he wanted me to come back on Wednesday nights. And it was kind of a running joke between us. It was like two or three years before he had, quote-unquote, preached to the people as much as I had in that four months. And uh, so it was just kind of a running joke. And so he said, I want you to come back on Wednesday night and help me get these people established. During that year of revival, I want to say this for Brother Foster, he was scheduled to go to the Philippines and had some trips overseas and preaching engagements around the country. But when revival broke out, uh, that first week, we had 60-something people got the Holy Ghost. He shut every uh, preaching engagement down he had for the entire year. All of his overseas trips, his camp meetings, everything. He didn't leave the church for a year and poured himself into the outreach and, and uh, the 
follow-up and the growth of the new people that were coming. Because he had a prophecy when he first took the church 17 years earlier. There was a revival coming that the church would double in 30 days. And he had preached that for 17 years. When I got there, 17 years later, one lady left from the original group. And the reason was they had they said to him after the first night he preached, because he told them what the Lord had showed him. And before he ever got voted on, the Lord had showed him a church of a 1,000 people. And I think it was 10 or 15 churches that had come out of that. And when he preached that in the short sermon after they voted on it, they met him in the office. He said, Brother Foster, we just want to make sure you understand we're honored you're our pastor. We want you to just be here on Sundays, preach us happy. Go out in the midweek, do all your traveling, all your events you got going on, but just keep us. We're a little country church in the big city, and that's the way we want it. And they are one exit up from where T.D. Jakes' church is. And their church uh, is actually the highest point in the whole Dallas-Fort Worth metroplex is where Brother Foster's church is. So uh, anyway, uh, revival broke out. It was a great blessing, and so we uh, he wanted us to come back. So he said, just teach whatever you want from holiness, separation, to the new birth, anything you want, leadership, doesn't matter, teach. So I would fly in on Tuesday night, take a red-eye flight and land, and we'd go eat breakfast, and I'd go to the room and sleep to about 1.30, and I'd get up and start writing my notes. And I got all my notes right here. There's part of them, others are in, in my Bible cover. These are the handwritten notes from, from those sessions. And it became um, the over-under factor. And it was about, um, submission uh, is what it was about and it evolved into spiritual fathers about the, the importance of ministry being submitted to ministry over them uh, and it became uh, about the fivefold ministry as the shoulders of the body Christ is the head of the church fivefold ministries shoulders we're all baptized into the body we are members in particular in share or in portion in the body. Everybody's baptized into one body. It's the body of Christ. And the shoulders, the carrying weight of the church is a fivefold ministry. And in the local church, the pastor is the most significant, most anointed of all of those in a local church. And so I began to teach on that. And uh, the Lord just blessed Every night went for two and a half months. And then a year later, did it at Brother Ewing's Thursday and Friday night to about 250 people from his church. And he was there every night. And it just evolved into a, uh, a series. Brother Haney had us do it with Brother Foster. We did about 60 growth conferences. And I did parts of it at that. So it was it's about submission and uh, apostolic order. And uh, the first the first session that I think is very important is the Matthew chapter 8. Uh, Jesus goes into Capernaum and there was a centurion being there. And he's begging and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Jesus said to him, I'll come and heal him. So, you know, he's encountered Jesus and he's told him what he's got a problem. And he, Jesus says, I'll come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. For I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say, this man go and he goeth to another come and he cometh to my servant do this and he doeth it. 
When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that follow, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Verse 13, Jesus said to the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. So <clears throat> what happens in this text, this man is a centurion soldier, and he, what that means is he has a hundred men under his leadership. And he tells Jesus, um, I, I'm a man under authority, and I have men under me. And this is what just jumped out of the text at me. And he said, uh, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. I just need you to speak the word only. And and he's kind of shocked. You know, Jesus kind of like, what? And he said, I say to this man, come here. I say, that man, go there. And I say, this man, come do this. He said, I don't leave where I'm standing. I just say it, point, because I'm under authority. And I have a hundred men under me. Because I'm under authority, I can speak to them and they'll do as I ask him to do. And Jesus said, okay, fine. You know, I don't have to go down three blocks, turn left and go down two blocks, turn down the cul-de-sac and go to the corner house. I can just stand here and speak to it. And so he stands there and says, your servant is healed in the self-esteem. And so what out of that begin to talk about being under authority. And the word authority here is the power or rule of government. And more specifically from the Vines uh, Expository Dictionary, it, it says these exact words, more specifically of apostolic authority. And when I was studying, I was like, you got to be kidding me. Is that I, the Greek word exousia? Uh, yes, sir. It's exousia. Yeah. Uh-huh. It means privilege, force, capacity, competency, token of control. And then I like these two, delegated influence or jurisdiction. And I think that's really what the word means in this text is delegated influence or jurisdiction. So um, he's saying, I understand how the miracle is going to take place. Just as I'm under authority, have men under my authority, I can speak to them and they'll do as I request. I don't have to go anywhere to get them to obey because I'm under authority. I can have authority over whatever's under me. And that's the spiritual principle that just jumped out at me. That is so important because we are living in a spirit of anarchy right. today. The Antichrist is the propagator of that anarchy. Mm -hmm. And this goes on. We talked a little bit about this with Bishop Wilson. We we're talking about education because there are those that are the deconstructionists of our era mm -hmm. that want to tear down the systems of authority. <clears throat> we actually tear down the systems of authority from hell. Mm -hmm. It, we have to rebel against that yes. system. Yes. However, we cannot stay in that wilderness of rebellion mm -hmm. somewhere. And Jesus, or, or Moses actually shows this because he leads God's people into rebelling against Pharaoh. Uh -huh. Then it becomes anarchy. They're yes. just everywhere. Yes, As God absolutely wrecks the economy Yes. And so that was, uh, and then when they are taken out, the first thing that God does is he takes them to Mount Sinai and he gives them a system yes. of authority. Mm -hmm. and, but all of that was done by a man that was under submission. To That's God. correct. Correct. So he was not just doing this on his own. No. 
And then it clarifies, and this is so revelatory, when you use this this centurion uh, so that we can see that if we are going to, well, in Jesus' prayer in, in John chapter 17, he said, nothing that I do is of myself. Mm-hmm. Now, he's speaking as a man. You know, mm-hmm. This is not one God speaking to another God. Right. Or one portion of the Trinity speaking to another. This is the man, Christ Jesus. Second Timothy, whatever, two and five, where there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Just explaining that. So we have the man, Christ Jesus, who specifically tells us, nothing that I do is of myself, but it is of my Father. Mm-hmm. So this is so important, Brother Godwin, not just to, we are going to speak first to ministers that are listening to this, but even pastors. Mm -hmm. Some are very frustrated because Mm -hmm. they don't understand the principles of authority. Mm -hmm. And while they are trying to take dominion, they themselves have not understood that to take dominion, one has to be in submission. Mm -hmm. That seems like a paradox, but I'm a fighter. Well, I used to be. I'm not anymore. I'm just a fat, pudgy little You're old not, man. I'm a lover. <laughs> I'm a lover now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, a lover of good things of God and all that stuff. But anyway, you may look like you're losing when you go to the ground, but anybody that's fought any length of time knows you got to learn positions off of the ground that puts you in control. Mm -hmm. These are known as submissions. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it looks like the other guy's winning. He's on top, and then all of a sudden you see him tapping out. Yep. Because somebody spent the time to learn submissions. Mm -hmm. And if we could learn that in the church, that submitting to God and submitting to the order of God's authority is so extremely powerful. Yes, sir. So talk to us about that. Jeff and Mitch, just break in whenever you want to. We, This is very important in the last day. We're going to see miracles. Yes. We're already seeing miracles. Yes. We're going to see power. But I personally believe that a lot of the effectiveness of your ministry is because you have lived this. And so many men think that it's all in the preaching and it's all in the preparation. Well, that's important. Mm-hmm. But it's also understanding this very principle that we're talking about right now, because it doesn't matter how great, supposedly, mm-hmm. our ministry gets. Mm-hmm. It's not about us. No. It's about the kingdom of God, and it's about understanding that order. Yes. So talk to us about it. Yeah, well, Jesus, when he found this text, um, he begins to understand the delegated influence in jurisdiction. And in the lesson, I make the statement, you can operate in authority only if you're under authority. Luke 10, 17 to 19 gives us the passage of the 70 that returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And Jesus said to them, I beheld as Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall be any means hurt you. What he's doing, he's minimizing 
the devil and telling them, and this is pre-baptism of the Holy Ghost, pre-baptism in Jesus' name. And he tells them, Satan fell, and I give you power over all the power of the enemy. We're serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. The unique thing in the scriptures, the two words, the power, the two power words are two different Greek words. The first one is exousia. I give you delegated influence and jurisdiction over all the power, which is dunamis, all that they are able to do or is possible for them to do. The active power, dynamite. That's yes. Where get, that's where we get our word. <clears throat> yes, sir. So he says, I'm giving you authority over over hell's dynamite. Yeah. Anything hell's able to do. So God gives or delegates exousia over all that Satan is able or possible to do. The power is delegated to us if it is not of us or ours because of our ability, knowledge, or earthly position, but it comes from God because we are under authority. And so from this text, I go into the biblical scriptures about being under authority. And I start the first position that a passage I start with is Lucifer, who was the anointed cherub. He was not the devil. God can't make a devil. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. He can't make a devil. Lucifer, the anointed cherub, became the devil. And I go through and uh, talk about Lucifer, Michael, and Gabriel were the three cherubims. Have you ever wondered what's at the root of homelessness? I used to try to describe it to my husband that um, I said, I feel like I'm in this big spider web and I'm stuck in there. And how wraparound approaches at missions aim to make a difference? It's the things like that. The people who communicated that in spite of my rough edges, that they authentically cared about me. On the Restorers podcast, we'll talk to experts, investigate current issues, share stories, and give you an inside look at how we at Water Street Mission tackle issues related to homelessness and poverty every single day. Join us by searching Restorers wherever you find your podcasts. Well, it's fascinating you say that because the Bible says that he was Lucifer until iniquity, which is lawlessness. That's correct. No submission to the order of authority of his Lord. That's correct. Ezekiel 28 gives us the the buildup of of Lucifer's covering, sardis, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, emerald, carbuncle, gold. The workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee the day thou wast created. Lucifer was created. Lucifer is not equal to God. He's not eternal. God has no equal. Lucifer was a created being. Uh, Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, because I have set thee so. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day thou wast created, comma, till iniquity was found in thee. So this is Ezekiel giving us a description of Lucifer in his original creation and jumping forward to Isaiah 14 and 12. uh, Isaiah says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? And he said, I will five times. He said, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will uh, sit upon the mount of the congregation. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. 
yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. That's what Isaiah said. So the five eye wheels of Satan, when he thought these things, it caused him to be cast out of heaven like lightning, 186,000 miles per second. Lucifer, the highest created angel that God had made, the only one that was anointed, the only one that was perfect, all of that, only one that had a throne, and in a, a speed of lightning, 186,000 miles per second, Lucifer was cast out of the heavens into the earth, and one-third of the angels went with him out of an innumerable host, thousands of thousands times 10,000 times 10,000. 10,000 means a myriad of or uncalculable numbers. So it was thousands of thousands of angels times an incalculable number times another incalculable number of angels. Then there were seraphims and cherubims. And, and cherubims were Michael, Lucifer, and Gabriel. Lucifer being the most anointed. And But when he said, I will exalt myself, that wasn't why he was there. The angels were created to give God praise. The Bible says they say one to another, he's holy, he's holy. That's what they say. It's what they've always been saying. It's what they're saying now, and that's what they're going to say when we get on the other side of eternity. Angels are creating an atmosphere of worship, if you will, that covers God in that praise. And uh, he, when he said, I will exalt myself, it, it's from a word that is Allah, which suggests movement from a lower to a higher plane or place. It's movement in an upward direction. And so when Lucifer tried to take his throne and set it up equal to God's, God cast him out. And I'm jumping over a lot of it, but this is basically the idea. Is you, when you are, whatever position you're in, you plant both your feet and stay right there. Now we're talking to ministers, and I would, I tell them, you know, you can't have one foot in the youth pastor position, and you got the other foot up spiritually, and you're trying to climb to another level. Because if that happens, you can be knocked off balance very easy with one foot in the air. So you have to plant both feet in the position God's put you in. If it's soul winner, if it's just saint in the church, whatever it is, if it's usher, uh, whatever, or if you get called into ministry, youth pastor. You need to plant both feet in that position. That way you keep your balance and work what God's called you to do. And uh, so Lucifer basically like had one foot in the air. He was trying to exalt himself to make his throne equal to God's. And Lucifer became the devil when that happened. And I, uh, he said he would set his throne above the stars of God and that Revelation 2 and 1 said there were seven stars in God's right hand. Revelation 1.21 says those seven stars were the seven angels of the church. So Satan will attack leadership, the stars. Not stars as in uh, popular people or anything, but... Well, that's what he's replaced that's right. the stars of God with. That's right. Our movie stars. That's right. Sports stars. That's right. Uh, media stars, social media stars. Right. And that's what everybody, and, and this is an important part to talk. I actually preach a message about this, talking about there's a scripture. I'm going to run a good message because every preacher hearing this, he's going <laughs> to run out and preach it. There is a scripture when Deborah sang her victory song when she defeated J.L. And she said that that the 
that they fought from heaven, mm. the stars in their courses. courses. Mm-hmm. God can't use a star that gets out of course. Correct. And so we have, and I, I actually minister to men. Mm-hmm. That men will be who they are called to be, and they will be in submission to God. That's correct. They fight from a heavenly standpoint, mm-hmm. that men in the earth that are in rebellion and disobedience. Mm-hmm. They don't have the same resources. When when we're in the place that you're talking about right now, we have all of heaven backing us up. That's correct. It's what's so powerful. And this is That's what correct. I observe in men of God and women of God mm-hmm. that observe this. A woman's role is different, but it's still in the order of God. And her influence, in a lot of cases, is more powerful mm-hmm. than her trying to usurp the authority that her husband has. That's correct. And you know, and... <clears throat> Whenever we're born again, we're in our trespasses and sins, we're dead. And whenever we're born again, we're baptized into the body of Christ. And the Bible says the body of Christ, that every spirit, in layman's terms here, every spirit of hell is underneath the feet of the church. So what makes a body get a disease is when something inside the body gets out of order a cell, cancer starts when a cell gets out of order. Right. And that's where cancer starts. So whenever the body, we stay in our position and we stay healthy in the body. Now we're on top of every fallen spirit. The church is on top of all of it. We could, you know, talk about, and I've mentioned it here three or four times at the church, no telling what parts we all feel. But this local congregation is quote-unquote, a body part of some type, a, a muscle or some tissue. And all of us have that. And if we'll stay in order, in submission to, that's what keeps us healthy. But when we get out of order, this first, the first recorded rebellion in Scripture is Lucifer and one-third of the angels. God cast him out immediately, and Lucifer became the devil. So the point is, is when we're all baptized into Christ, we've put on Christ and it's Christ in us, we want to make sure we stay in under authority. Don't deviate. Don't deviate from it. That's where the word devil comes from, by the way. People do not oh. realize the word devil comes from the word deviate. Ooh. When you deviate from God's order. Yes. And, and that is so prevalent mm-hmm. in our world today. Ezekiel 28 reveals how Lucifer trespassed against God's holiness. But Isaiah 14 reveals Lucifer's violating God's authority. To offend God's authority is far more serious than the offense of his holiness. Sinning against God's holiness is a matter of conduct, but sinning against God's authority is rebellion. And rebellion is as witchcraft. Revelation 12, 7 through 12 says, Neither was their place found any more in heaven. God didn't just throw them out. But that place was was not just vacated, it was removed. There's nobody going to replace Lucifer. No need. I believe the church stands in the body of Christ with that authority now. But uh, Lucifer's authority was not because of who he was, but according to his location, his spot where he was positioned. But when he tried to lift himself to a higher place, Lucifer became the devil by tempting to lift himself out. And why, I mean, of course, I mean, iniquity was found in him. He was perfect. 
and new host of angels, not but one person over you, quote unquote person, God, what in the world would get into somebody to make them want to rebel? It's self-will, which is, I will, yeah. It's it's in it, the potential of rebellion is in all of us, and so we submit to that which is over us, which is pastoral authority. Pastors have authority over them. Brother Elders talks about Brother Wilson being his pastor, bishop, his covering. Beautiful. Uh, I've got covering. Brother Mangan was pastor when all the hell broke loose in my life. Brother Mangan literally called me every day for four months. Brother Foster. Uh, was one of my elders, Brother Dylan, Brother Morgan, and Brother Sarton down in New Orleans. They were my elders. And if any five of them to this day call me and say, Greg, I need you to do this. Yes, sir. Well, can you do it? Yes, sir. Well, are you scheduled? Well, yes, sir, but I'll, I'll move it. I did that here for Brother Elder. When Pastor Sarton, when we started the revival, Pastor Sarton had to have surgery on his knee. He had to have his knee replaced. It was killing him. I told Brother Elder, Brother Elder, I've got to stay here and help him take care of the church for four or five weeks and, and he was fine. We started up and I believe if everybody, no matter how uh, anointed or gifted we are, if that person is not under authority where someone can say, need you to come home or to an evangelist, uh, don't do that. Yes, sir. Uh, don't say why. That's not submission. Even if you ask it in a good way. Um, if your dad, I mean, he's your, you guys' dad, but more importantly, he's pastor. You understand? He's pastor. He's dad. So you, I've seen y'all be together and it's dad, yeah. but I've also seen it when he was pastor. And so when he's dealing with pastoral things, it's yes, sir. Are you driven by a desire to create change? Dive into From Passion to Purpose, where we unlock the stories of nonprofit trailblazers. Get inspired as leaders share invaluable tips and transformative tales that empower you to make a lasting impact in your community. Tune in and ignite your passion into purpose today. You know, before I came to Pueblo, Pueblo, and I really want to talk to this. I want to put it in perspective, bring it down into instead of where we can apply it. Mm-hmm. And I wish we had the time to just deal with yes, this sir. all the way through what God has given me. But I really believe that I would not have seen what God has done here if right before I came to Pueblo, and I didn't even know I was coming to Pueblo. Mm-hmm. The Lord dealt with me about going home. There were parts of my life that were not in submission to his order. Mm. And that time, my pastor was my father. Uh-huh. It can be very difficult. Maybe sure. we're talking to preacher's kids today, and I know a lot of preacher's kids that do not understand this principle. So authority becomes personal with them. and They buck against it because that's just dad or mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they do not get this revelation that God is giving them right now. And it's so important that get this if, if you're a young man or a young lady your parents or your pastor but God showed me this and I looked back I was very young I went home for a year there was one incident 
where my dad was addressing a very faithful man of God in the church. And I felt like he was addressing that man to his trouble. So I stepped in and gave my two cents. Uh-huh. And she got to know my father. He didn't give a rip what my two cents were. <laughs> so I left the church upset. And I got in my truck and I was headed home. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, if you don't go back and submit yourself, I will never use you again. That was a word from God. And there was a huge battle of my pride and the voice of God. Thankfully, the voice of God won out in my life. And I turned the truck around and I went back. And I submitted to my father, who was my pastor. Mm-hmm. And I look at some of the things that I've had to deal with because I pastor in a city that is full of rebellion. Uh-huh. And I don't say that in a malicious way. I feel sorry for these people. They've, they've grown up in such dysfunction and their life is so fragmented that they've never seen what power. There is latent power. That means it's born in yes. them if they get this principle mm-hmm. they get this principle where they don't rebel against a teacher or they don't rebel against the policeman where where they get rid of that and and they understand the order of god and i understand there, there's times when people abuse that sure and we we probably need to talk about sure. that before this is over with sure uh, because there are people that are in abusive situations in churches and stuff mm-hmm. and i just tell you i'll tell you openly if that's going on say anything just get your family and get out of there don't say anything against the leadership just get your family and get out of there and pray and say okay god lead us to a man of god that understands these principles that we're talking about right now but i look back and i was able to win some battles here some incredible major battles here because i had a head Yes, sir. I had a covering. I was in submission Correct. to to the order of God, mm-hmm. to the authority of God in my life. Yes, when we submit, the authority over us is released to us. And then it's released to those that are under us. Uh, there. Well, let me talk about one example. I was in a situation where promises were made to us that never went through never were fulfilled and it it was really very very it was a very trying time and I'm being very careful here because I want to protect people it's not my intent to hurt anybody we all make mistakes Mm -hmm. but I remember for weeks even months I could not sleep at night all I could do was we lived in a very beautiful house I remember this night because it was snowing it was so beautiful outside this. The moon broke through, but it was, and it was a magnificent place. And I was standing in, we had a big window, and I was standing in the den of this place, looking out the window, and I was just so distraught. And I was praying, God, what shall I do? How can I deal with this? Show me how, it was a very precarious thing. Because there were other authorities that I didn't want to violate. They were wrong. 
And, but there was God's way. And I was praying. And it was early, early, three or four o'clock in the morning. And my phone rang at that early time. It was still dark. It's beautiful. I remember this night like it was yesterday. And it was my authority. It was the man of God that God had put in my life. He said, son, I said, I'm up dead. He said, I was praying, and God spoke to me. He said, this is what you do. This is how you deal with the situation. And I hung up the phone. And that day, I went and did what the man of God in my life told me to do. So beautiful. And God released us. Yes. Turned things around. It's just an incredible thing, Mm -hmm. you know, to have that headship in your life where you're not out here standing on one foot by yourself. That's correct. That's correct. There's no, uh, if we can... Remember, the church is the body of Christ. And any place a rebellion breaks out in our natural body, there's cancer. So as it is in the natural, so is the spiritual. There's no place, there's no, I'm going to say this, there is no preacher, there is no ministry, there's no minister that can operate on his own within the framework of the body of Christ. Because you're gonna, if you do it, you move yourself from about being, from about being under authority. Well, you call it protection, angelic protection, God's covering, but it's under submission, and where there's submission, the authority of God is released, and the health of the body. Uh, one biblical illustration is in Numbers twelve one through ten, where God's talking to Aaron and Miriam. And the Bible says, and Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. They said, hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken by us by also? And the Lord heard it. And then the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses, unto Aaron, unto Miriam, Come ye out three into the tabernacle of the congregation. And the three came out, and the Lord came down the pillar of the cloud, stood in the door of the tabernacle, called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forth. He said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision, and will speak to him in a dream. My servant Moses, not so, who is faithful in all my house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. And then he said, Wherefore then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against him. He departed, and the cloud departed from the tabernacle. Miriam became leprous, white as snow, and Aaron looked up on Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. So what it's talking about is whenever, all they said was, we spoke against Moses because of his wife. Now I think, uh, when you think of that, that's all they did. Now, there was more in them, but what loosed it was, what's he doing marrying that Ethiopian woman? My, my, my name of peanut butter and jelly. That's the way my mind works. 
And the Bible said the Lord heard it. Right. So the point is, is it's just when we see spiritual whether it's horizontally, people in the body of Christ or saints of God around us, or if it's ministry. We have to be very, very careful what we say. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of thy mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearer. That's Ephesians 4.29. That's exactly yeah, I mean, and it's just, and the Lord asked him, why were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? All they said was he married an Ethiopian woman. So what is it? Verse 8, it was reviling. To speak against was reviling. Wherefore then were you not afraid to speak against my servant? The word reviling means to defame, to rail, to chide, to taunt, or to reproach. All he said was a simple question about his wife, and God heard it. So just on that, and I'm ta I've taught this lesson 75 times around the country. I've never said what I'm about to say If of all this text. If we would be very careful how we speak about one another in the church, within the body, and horizontally around us, and vertically speak against leadership. The simplest things that we say, all they did was they spake against Moses because he married an Ethiopian woman. Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Has he not spoken by us? And the Lord heard it. How many things have we talked about? Not me talking about us, because this conversation's been great here with Brother Elder. But I'm saying in general, whenever we're talking Within the body, we don't want to be the place where cancer's tumor starts. Where God has to shut down a church. Nobody's praying through. Why? Because there's cancer in the body. You've got to get Holy Ghost radiation to burn it out. The preacher's got to come in, a prophet, or the pastor's got to get up and take a hammer. Whatever he's got to do. We don't want that to have to happen. So we've got to understand we don't want to revile against authority. Where there's reviling against leadership, we lose the Spirit of God. Sin is in the camp with the leprosy. We're cut off from communication. Reviling is the proof of a rebellious heart. It's the proof. Another instance is 1 Samuel 26 and 7 when David and Abishai came to the people by night. Saul lay sleeping within the trench, his spear stuck in the ground by his bolster, and Abner and the people round about lay around about. Abishai came to David and said, David, Saul's in here. Let me kill him. Let me get your sword. I'll run him through one time. And David said this, destroy him not. For who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? We all know Saul was trying to kill David. Saul was completely out of line. Everything had been cut off that was going to precede him, that was going to follow his leadership. It was going to be one time done. It was over. David had been called before Samuel. He was anointed. He was king. He was anointed as king, but he was in a second position. Who can stretch forth his hand against God's anointed and be guiltless? The word guiltless means be clean or innocent. Verse 11, he said, The Lord forbid that I should stretch forth my hand against the Lord. They said, David said, As the Lord liveth, the Lord will smite him, or this his day shall come to die or he shall descend into battle and perish. But the Lord forbid that I should stretch forth my hand against the Lord's anointed. So he said, God's going to handle that business. I don't have to do anything 
against Saul. He's wrong. He knows he's wrong. God's got him. It's all fine. But I cannot stretch my hand. And they had him in a set. They could have run him through. He, they were down deeper in the, in the cave. Saul didn't know they were there. They could have slipped up there, run him through. He'd be a dead man. The, the situation today is very similar. But instead of killing people literally, we slander them. Yes. kill them, we destroy their character, we, they're ad hominem attacks against leadership. Yes. That's very popular. I'm going to use this example that the man has passed on, God rest his soul. But, and I love to listen to him, but it always disturbed me. And I remember listening to him before he became syndicated. I remember listening to Rush Limbaugh clear back when he was in Sacramento, California, and I was preaching wow. a Bible in 1980-something. Wow. Brother Ronnie Mole, I found him in Bakersfield. Wow. He was not syndicated then. I actually thought that his, his, his radio program then was more entertaining. But the more that I listened to him, the more alarmed that I became that he was being used to destroy not just the principles of leaders, but to destroy leaders with, with words. And that always disturbed me. Because mm-hmm. uh, I, I believe that you can defend positions without trying to destroy the character. Now, I'm using him as an example because it doesn't matter if you're on the right, yeah. if you're on the left, yep. or wherever you are. And that was a political figure, and I mm-hmm. used that intentionally. Mm-hmm so that it wouldn't go directly to somebody that would be in ministry. And I, and I, and I was a huge fan yes. of Rush Limbaugh. Sure. I mean, I followed him all the way through. Absolutely. Went to Dan's Bake Sale in Fort Collins <laughs> when they did that. Probably people don't even know about that. <laughs> I remember. But I was there. Got to see him there with some other friends before my sons were born. So it's not the fact that I'm trying to insult him, no. especially in passing sure. It's the fact that that spirit reigns in our world. Mm-hmm. And if we're not careful, just because we champion values and stuff that other people do, we feel empowered to destroy people's character, mm-hmm. which is very dangerous. I'm seeing this in social media, especially during this COVID deal. Yes. I would see people with no remorse speak against ministry because they had a different, it felt differently. Mm-hmm. These are insidious attacks of Satan encroaching into the body, mm-hmm. disrupting. Those are cancerous cells mm-hmm. that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And so my, my cur- it, it's okay to talk about issues. Mm-hmm. It's okay to say, I disagree with this man's position. Mm-hmm. Just don't attack the man. No. No. It, the word forbid here, it says... It is to wound fatally, to bore through, to pierce. And so the spirit world recognizes authority and order. Second Peter 2 and 11, whereas angels, 2 and 11 of Second Peter, whereas angels which are greater in power and might bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. Railing accusation is blasphemos. Where we get the word blasphemy, railing. An accusation is a decision by tribunal or implication. And the word railing is rumor or to injure us, blapto, where we get the word blasphemy. 
Yet Michael the archangel went contending with the devil. He disputed about the body of Moses, did not bring against him a railing accusation, but said the Lord rebuked him. So what did he do? He went to Lucifer's supreme head at his very best at the very beginning. He said the Lord rebukes thee. Even that's, though, yeah, that's a great example of what I'm talking about. Yeah. You can contend for certain things yes. without attacking the individual that you're in disagreement with. Right. Right, it's, it's uh, bring not raving, to contend here means to be hostile spirit, to dispute or argue with. Even though Satan had been cast out and his anointing is perverted, Michael still will not rebuke him, but only through the Lord. He said the Lord rebukes him. Right. So we, the whole point is he understands the submission, the order of God, and he said, I'm not going to touch him. Just like David said, no, we're not, who can touch God's anointing and be guiltless? Even though the Saul was out, he was not under God's order, he was still God's anointed. And he had high respect for the authority and position that he held. And he said, we're not going to touch him. And so that's the first part of the series. It talks about God's order and being under submission. Then it goes into uh, 1 Corinthians 4, talking about spiritual fathers, which talks about um, a spiritual connection between a pastor and the saints in First Corinthians 4, 14, 17. He said, though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you have not many fathers, for I have begotten you through the gospel. So he, what he's saying is talking to the church of Corinth. We all know Corinthians. It's a great book, but it's dealing with a church that was in total discord. Yeah, dysfunction. Total dysfunction. Yeah, chapter 1, verse 10 through 14, he said, I beg you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus, that y'all speak the same thing. There be no divisions among you, that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. So the church, they were saved, baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, repented of their sins. They were in the body of Christ, in the church, but they were in total disorder. How? They did not speak the same thing, and there were divisions among them. And they weren't joined together perfectly. And Paul said, I want that fixed. He said, I don't want there to be contentions among you. Some saying, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, I'm of Christ. He says, Christ divided, was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? So there was a major division problem in the church. And that's where I go into the rest of the session talking about father-son relationship. And uh, that when we get that right, that brings us into a real power position um, of the church. So, uh, and I've seen a few situations like that in a few churches. Uh, whenever we were traveling around, Brother Foster and I, there was, out of the 60 or 70 places we went there four times, he asked me to teach all four of these sessions. He'd tell me to teach the fourth. He'd go ahead and teach the last two sessions. He said, just take it. I won't close. You close it. And so I, well, the first couple of times, I was like, what's going on? But I realized when I got done, there would always be pastors that would come up and be weeping to Brother Foster, crying, and I'd step out because it got really uncomfortable. And they were talking to him about what you mentioned a while ago, Bishop, how that they're pastor, but they don't have a pastor over them. They don't have anybody they're submitted to for various reasons. The pastor they had uh, fell into a sin of some type, lost a church, this whatever problem was, and they had they were uncovered, and they realized this is my problem, and they would 
couple of places they went over an hour with Brother Foster, five or six of them. And they were in there on the ground praying with him, submitting to him. He come out, man, his eye face red, just crying. Just, and a lot of these men were men he didn't really know very well, but they wanted to submit to him and uh, bring themselves into alignment. And that's very, very important. Well, we need to deal with this because, you know, we this this podcast is predominantly for young men. Mm-hmm. And if you are a young man or a young lady, uh, it's important that you have a pastor in your life. Yes. It's extremely important that you have the pastor in your life. And more than just in word only. Yes. Anybody can say they have a pastor until that pastor tells them something in their life that they disagree with. That's when you really find out if they have a pastor in their life. Yes. Remember, he watches for your soul. He sees things you don't see. Yes. God will show a man of God stuff that he don't even understand. Correct. He will think, why in the world? I remember I was standing in the grocery store one day with a man. I was 26 years old, just took this church. And it was like God was holding a conversation with me. He said, you see that woman that's checking that man out? Literally in the line, she was checking out yeah. the groceries. I never saw her in her life. She'd never been to our church. This man was one of the leaders of our church. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me. And I said, and it's, this is a conversation. I said, yes, Lord, I see her. He said, that man is having an adulterous affair with her right now. Well, that has never happened to me in my life. And I said, God, why are you showing that to me? Number one, because I was his pastor. Yeah. And I and and it just dumbfounded me. What? Why am I telling you? I'm telling you, God will show the man of God stuff in his life that he don't even understand, because mm-hmm. he is the watchman, he is the seer, what mm-hmm. he is known as. Mm-hmm. So I said, God, why did you show me this? Do you want me to confront him? And God said, No, don't confront him. He's not repentant. If you confront him, uh, all it will do is he will turn against you, and he has more influence in this church right now than you did. I just came here. Uh. So what do you want me to do? And he said, I, I showed you this so that you would not think that he was behind you. Uh. He's not with you. He's acting like he is, but he's not with you. And it wasn't three weeks later. And it come out. They got caught. Oh, to make a long story short, uh, we tried to reconcile the man. And we just didn't work out. My heart grieves for that. Mm-hmm. But God taught me a valuable lesson. You, the man of God, I could give you example after example. We had another situation in this church where a family stole some foster kids from another foster family in this church. Mm. This whole church almost split over that. And I had to get up publicly and tell this church, you have to trust me because God had already showed me that the, that the family that those foster kids were with, that man was molesting children. And if if I'd have got involved that night, I'd have got those children brought them back over here, the news media would have seen all of that. It would have been disastrous for this church. Mm. But I couldn't tell. I can tell the church that now because it came out serving his time, etc. Yeah. And and it's heartbreaking with trying to deal with children right. and stuff. And some, you know, I'm being really careful here because I'm again protecting people, but I'm giving illustrations like. This to show you that the man of God sees things that you do not see, and God will re- 
reveal them to him. Mm-hmm. He will reveal to him these things because he is the shepherd. And so the, the flip side of that is if we are men of God like that, we can't abuse that. No. You abuse that, and we will be judged by God drastically because the church is the apple of God. <clears throat> Amen. Yes. And all these preachers running around talking about, well, we are God's gift. Well, in a way, we are. But I'm going to tell you something. God loves his church, and you don't strike that rock. The Bible says that rock oh. that, that followed them in the wilderness was Christ. Yes. And it was already struck one time. And we as men of God, if we strike that rock again, we will receive the same severe judgment of God mm. that Moses received. Oh. And, and we may think we're getting away with it. Mm. I'm talking to ministers right now. Mm-hmm. But we don't get away with abusing God's people and abusing that authority. So we have to be in submission as well. That's, That's what right. protects us That's right. from that abuse is for us to be in that position. Yes, sir. And, and so this is so imperative when you talk about you have 10,000 instructors, you have not many fathers. I have begotten there. We never get away from that. I'm 58 years old. I cannot preach to these people to be in submission and me not be in submission. That's a man of God in my life. That's That's impossible. That's right. The word instructors, it means it's podagogus in the Greek and it means boy leader. Literally, it was one who basically took the kids to school. They were a slave. They were a slave. That's right. And they just made sure the kids went to school. Some of them make sure they got the schoolwork done. That's all they were. They were put a ghost. He said, you may have a myriad of 10,000, an uncalculable number of teachers, but you have not many fathers for I have begotten you. And it goes through scripture talking about begotten. And Paul literally is saying, I became your daddy when I preached the gospel to you. And so that is the relationship we have to have with our pastors, like Brother Whalen. I mean, it was like, man, he was he's the man. It's just like Brother Sarton. He's my pastor now down in New Orleans. He called me March last year, right before the pandemic hit. It was kind of going on there, but he didn't know what was going on. I was preaching for a man up in Ohio. Monday morning, Pastor Sarton called me. He said, hey, Greg, what you doing? I said, oh, we had a good church. Had seven or eight, got the Holy Ghost. I mean, he had a power. We had about 15 that week. And he said, wow. I said, what's going on? He said, I want you to come home. I said, really? When? He said, today. I said, today? He said, yes, sir. I said, you serious? He said, yeah. I thought maybe he's kind of joking with me. I said, are you serious? He said, yes, sir. I said, okay, let me me call and get my ticket changed, and I'll see if I can get home tonight. And he said, it was in the morning. I said, I'm sure I can, and I'll let you know when I get to the airport. I called the pastor. He said, absolutely, no problem. Took me back, got home the next day. They shut everything, started shutting everything down because of the pandemic. So it was just a point of come home. Yes, sir. That's it. I mean, I was 56. I mean, I'm an ordained preacher. My God, what are you talking about? And I've had preachers tell me that. I'm ordained. I don't need that. No. You've got to have spiritual authority over you. I have not seen a real move of the Holy Ghost. Now, I've seen men that have big numbers, but I've not seen them. Uh, I can, we can talk about, uh, we can talk about Malcolm Leonard and his relationship with, with uh, the 
Nathaniel Urshan and everybody just were just amazed that these two men who were so different got along. Worse, well, they didn't only get along, they were connected. Yes, you hear me? Yes, sir. I mean, Brother Urshan preached for my uncle at least two or three times a year. Mm-hmm. And we all ask him, Uncle Leonard, this man is like this, you know, so polished, etc. Yeah. Well, Uncle Leonard was polished, but you couldn't really tell it until you got around. <laughs> and he liked that rough aura right. about him. But, but he would tell me, you know, in no, in no uncertain terms, in a very tactful way, you know, Paul, I can't preach to others about being in submission, about being in submission myself. In, in his wow. mind, that was the man that God had wow. put in his life. And Absolutely. you know what? It was incredible power in that church. Well, the authority, and that's the bit, you know, the benefit of it is uh, we submit ourselves one to the other. And then we submit to them which have the rule over us. And that gives us a cross. Them teaching gives you a cross. You submit to one another horizontally. Vertically, you submit to that that has the authority over you. That puts the cross in your life. And if a church is submitted horizontally and vertically, it puts the cross there. And there is a power, there's a depth, there's an authority in a church where there's submission from the very top all the way down and left and right. Where there's that submission, there's that power. And a lot of times that's all the difference in a church having great revival and just having church. It's just, you can sense it. You know, sometimes you know it's the problem's there, but I don't have the authority to deal with it. Exactly right. And so you just try to pray somebody through and do the best you can and leave it to an apostle or a prophet that comes by or somebody that comes under teaching that can handle it and you just have to let God handle it. You know, when my father passed away, it was a very different scenario. I will never forget when uh, the man called me, Brother Dudley called me about 4.30 in the afternoon and said, Paul, we found your dad and he is deceased. Uh, you know, the loss of my father, who I loved dearly, was great. But the first thing that ran through my mind is, who is going to cover? Yes, sir. For the first time in 48 years of my life, I did not have yes. covering. And it, I can't describe to you the feeling that I had, knowing that I need that covering. It's extremely important that I have to cover. My wife and I, we prayed very seriously about that, you know, before we chose. Yes. And I don't believe that we chose. I believe God chose that man for us. Yes. And opened the door for us to have that covering in our life. Yes. And that's a whole different story we can talk about. Yep. That relationship started clear back when I was 15. So mm-hmm. never dreamed that this was what God was doing. To some people, this may seem insignificant. Just because you have numbers and you have money in your church don't mean you have the blessing and the favor of God no. nor the power of God. No. And uh, I say that with no rancor. I don't say that in an accus- uh, accusing way. No. I'm just saying this is the this is the safest way. This is the best way. Yes, sir. For us to see this end time revival that God wants to show us. Mitchell, I think you had a question that you wanted to ask Brother Gardner. He was talking to me about it. Did he answer it, or do you still 
feel like yeah. you didn't ask it. No, it is pretty much answered if people just listen. If I ask it right now, we're going to open a whole can of worms and we're going to be three episodes <laughs> in. So it's if people just listen, it, it was answered. I really like Brother Godwin, what you said about the cross. Mm. I like that. Yes, sir. And the most beautiful thing I can think of was when Brother Foster would be teaching. We'd be teaching those sessions. And the light would go on with pastors. And I won't name some, but some were big name pastors. And they started crying in there. And I was like, oh, my God. And I'd bring it to a close and have everybody worship. I'd slip out. And those pastors would whoosh, come to Brother Foster. And uh, this is a very, very huge need. I think if we can get a hold of what is being discussed right now on a international level, mm. us ministers, mm. the Apostle Peter makes it very clear. Likewise, ye elders, submit yourself one to, to the other. Correct. And and. This is so important. There's such a stronghold of hubris mm-hmm. and pride that we all need God to remove out of our life for us to have this end time revival mm-hmm. that God wants to pour out. And I pray to God. I'm I'm not speaking to the young people now. I'm speaking to us, men of God. Yes. Whoever would listen to this. I pray that we have a hunger to be who God's called us to be more so than to have a particular status, financial status, uh, political status, social status. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff can disappear t- tomorrow. Yes. I don't care how much money you've got in the bank. It could be gone tomorrow. Yep. Your money may be worthless tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It's already, we're already seeing there's, there's a transition into different economics and different status and, mm-hmm. and and so much of what we considered foundational are being pulled out from under us. If we can humble ourselves and have the revival that God wants us to have. Yeah. And and this is part of that revival. This is an important part absolutely of our churches becoming the the powerhouses that God wants our churches to become. Yes sir. Yesterday, one of the last, uh, Psalms 133 uh, is beautiful. It talks about how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Uh, I got a living Bible here. It says, when brothers live in harmony, for harmony is as precious as a fragment, anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head, ran down onto his beard, onto the border of his robe. Harmony is as refreshing as the dew on Mount Hermon on the mountains of Israel. And God pronounces eternal blessing on Jerusalem, even life forevermore. And it talks about the water that flows down. And so I've got some statistics here. Mount Hermon rises 9,232 feet above sea level and can be seen 120 miles away. The Jordan River flows 127 miles, rising from the foot of Mount Hermon and emptying into the sea. Its headwaters lie more than 1,000 feet above sea level, emptying 1,300 feet below sea level, with a drop of 2,300 feet, following into the Sea of Galilee, eight miles wide, 14 miles long, and then leaving to flow 65 miles to the Dead Sea. You referred to this in the last session. 
That means every 24 hours, the Jordan empties water that started at the top of Mount Hermon as mist and dew. And snow. That's and the snow. only place that it snows. That's right. right. And it starts out there. But when it gets down and empties into the Dead Sea every 24 hours, 6 million tons of water every 24 hours of fresh water from Hermon flows into the Dead Sea. But because the Dead Sea has no outlet, it becomes a dead sea. There is no life in the Dead Sea. So what's talking about is the body of Christ. It's like the day of Pentecost. I like to type that as the top of Mount Hermon, flowing down to the Jordan River. That's where the church is. We don't want to be a dead sea. We want the water to flow through us from the Sea of Galilee. It flows into the Sea of Galilee, flows out of the Sea of Galilee, flows down the Jordan. So that's the whole point. First Peter 5 and 5 says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud and giveth grace to the humble. To be subject to denotes to put in subjection to, to rank under. To be clothed is to wear in a token of mutual deference. And James 4 and 7, submit yourself therefore to God, period. Resist the devil, he'll flee. So until we submit, we have no power to resist. If if a, if the church is out of order with each other, you can you can talk in tongues all day long. You can say, I rebuke you, devil, but the devil ain't rebuking nothing. You ain't he ain't going nowhere. Because there's discord. But when the body gets in unity, vertically and horizontally, the devil's got to get up out of there. So, I mean, it's that's the beautiful thing about the anointing is when we all get in harmony and get together, it releases a powerful flow. And I believe that's what's happening now in the apostolic church is there is a spirit of unity and harmony that's coming. I mean, it's your conference here. What was it, three weeks ago? Yeah. I mean... I think the church took a total lift and turn from this pandemic and everything during the conference. It was absolutely powerful. Preaching was powerful, but the fellowship was powerful. And you said there was tremendous amount of people here. Brand new ministers. I don't I mean I've tried to get around to yeah. meet all of them, but there was just a huge amount of brand new men. They're hungry for God. Right. Watch them during the service. Yeah. They they so we yes. cry, reach out to God, and God really touched. Yes, and it was because there was unity and harmony. And when that happened, and I felt the church just, it just like catapulted this church. Number one, because it was time, but number two, because y'all were serving. I watched your church serve till midnight. And because of the serving, I mean, the parking lot, I watched people at the doors. We wouldn't have it open up a door. Somebody was opening the doors into the sanctuary, into the office area constantly. So because of the unity and submission and harmony here, it released an anointing. And your your spiritual father was here. Brother Wilson was here. And I mean, his teaching, my God, just absolutely, oh, unbelievable. He empowered ladies, the apostolic. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That wasn't just for ladies. But no. I'll tell you, every lady in the apostolic world needs to hear that message. It was absolutely beautiful you know and so that's that's the beauty of of the whole subject when we're in harmony devil ain't got a chance well 
I would love to just move into the rest of those lessons. If we had time, maybe we can have uh, uh, Evangelist uh, Godwin come back, and we would love to finish this and talk about other things. But I do want to say thank you. Yes, sir. Thank giving you. us this time and imparting these valuable truths that God has revealed to you. And I always enjoy being with my sons yes. who are great men of God in their own right. Yes. And Brother Pound, I don't know what we do without Brother Pound. He he fixes all of our mess-ups for us <laughs> and helps us and walks with God. It's so nice to have tech men mm-hmm. and ladies that are dedicated to the call of God. So, yes. Anyway. Thank you for being with us, Brother Godwin. It was incredible. Yes, sir. And um, so we're going to, I'm going to go back and listen to a lot of this. Um, just spend time with the Lord in all of it, not just the over and under, but the evangelism. Mm-hmm. All of it's incredible. And so we, we would love it if you could come back and be with us, finish this out. We know you're going to be with us next couple months again. Um, with that being said, please get on all of our social media, YouTube, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Google Play. Um, uh, what else? What am I missing? Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, all of these. Get on them. Like, comment, subscribe. Give us some feedback if you have any questions. Don't hesitate to ask those questions. We will do our diligence to try to answer them. Uh, well, we will give them the bishop. He will answer them. <laughs> I'll send them to Brother Godwin. And we can work them out. Yeah, right. We'll let you handle all that. <laughs> <laughs> um, we love every single one of you. God bless you. We're going to catch you on the next one. Oh! Uh-huh.